three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. As always, I am one half of your hosting crew today, Wes Tolleson, joining you from Sunnyvale, Texas. Walker Lott joins us from Fort Worth, Texas. Walker Lott, how are we doing today? There's a lot of news going around Texas Private School football. How are you doing? What are you? What are your current thoughts on the state of the off season? Oh man, it's go- it's going good. You know, Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you had a uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Um, but yeah, 2023 starts off with a bang with a lot of huge news in Texas private school football. It, it didn't give them a couple of days to figure it out. You, we went right back into uh, internet drama, craziness, transfers, and we'll get to all that today. But uh, off season's off to a great start. Excited for more drama, uh, more kind of figuring out who's going to be the one to watch next year. Absolutely. You know, we've been getting into basketball. I think we're going to be involved a lot more in basketball this year than years past. We were recently most at me and Ryan were at um, the Prestonwood Trinity Christian Addison game, which was crazy. It's one of the craziest private school basketball games I've been to. The gym was packed out. Jaden Shelley and uh, Francis for PCA are so, so good. It was so great to see them in person. But I mentioned Ryan. You don't see Ryan on the episode. We're just going to mention this directly. I'm saying that and it sounds like we're going to mention a scandal or something, which is not at all the case. Ryan, for the time being, is going to be taking a brief step back from the podcast. He's going to be focusing on his job with OSU Athletics. There's a bit of a conflict of interest there. Anyone that has worked in college athletics, Walker, you know this as well. Compliance is a big deal. It's a big issue there. And we don't want Ryan being put in any position that could potentially jeopardize any anything he's doing with OSU Athletics. So Ryan Schroeder is not leaving the podcast. He's not gone. We're not kicking him off. You're just not going to see him for the next for the next few episodes, a few months or so. But with that out of the way, we're just going to jump right into some massive transfer news. And this has basically become the Texas private school transfer portal as the Texas private school football guy said on Twitter. I mean, there's so much craziness happening in the era of college NIL and transfers. It seems like that has bled into high school a little bit. And you can argue whether it's a good thing or not. But if nothing else, it's very, very interesting to follow in the offseason. So I'll read off some big names here. And then, Walker, we can dive into in depth what those mean we have the daughter twins both transferring from lake country to um all saints in fort worth i think that's one of the biggest biggest pieces of news we have also going to all saints fort worth quarterback keldon ryan which we broke earlier this week cole welliver another huge deal is going to uh liberty christian as is hogan nelson from fort worth christian um, Jaden Davis from North Garland, the running back, will be transferring to Dallas Christian and Katori Crawford. Is it Crawford? Uh, it is Katori, Katori Crawl, not Crawl. Uh, Katori and J- Jahaden Crawl. Katori Crawl will be transferring to Dallas Christian. So, also his well, brother. Oh, oh yeah, also his brother Jahaden. So exactly. So those are those are names that we have for sure transferring as of now. We will get into later some speculation. But Walker, I just listed a lot of names. There's a lot of shakeup at this point in the season. What do you want to get into specifically regarding all these transfers? I mean, I think well, it was one of our bullet points. We'll talk about also in the Q&A section how All Saints is going to win state. Right. And there are kind of four main things they needed to figure out. Right. Quarterback. You had Javon Williams as your quarterback two years ago. 
Jalen Spriggs comes in and you really helps your uh, quarterback spot and brings you to the state title. And now he's gone. So first thing was who you have a quarterback. And they finished that first point with Keldon Ryan from Keller Central. He is, you know, we talk about how good this 2025 class is in state. He might be the best of them. Like he is 6'2", 190, uh, just a pure passer, has a great arm. But the athlete side of him is what takes it to the next level. He's a true dual threat quarterback. You have to think about him in the run game. He will beat you with his legs. But also don't get it twisted. He can beat you with his arm as well. I know... Sawyer Anderson is probably one up there, you know, uh, uh, Luke Carney is one of them, uh, Gavin Parkhurst, etc. Kelton Ryan is already double digit offers as a sophomore, and he might be the best one of them. So All Saints is not here to play games this offseason, man. They're ready to play, and Kelton Ryan is a true dog. And what's interesting is back in the day when Coach Bowden was there, a lot of those Keller guys would always go to Nolan Catholic. But since, you know, Bowden's not there and you see kind of the regression of Nolan Catholic these past couple of years, they've kind of maybe went other places. And, hey, fourth All Saints is one of them. So that's big. The second point is the weapons that uh, they needed for a fourth All Saints. Because you lose Javon Williams, Chris Powell Freeman, um, uh, who else? Andre Minifield, uh, others, Gavin Prelwitz, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you replace those dudes, especially the Javant Williams dude, and you replace him with Kevin Dodder, the dual threat, first team all state offense, first team all state defense guy at Lake Country. He moves into the Division II ranks and he's going to play that versatile role, Swiss Army knife that they need him to play at uh, Fourth Hall Saints this year. His brother, Dougie, is also an exceptional athlete as well, 6'2, maybe 6'3 receiver for them this past year. And he's going to fill that role that kind of a power freeman. I know he's the more foul, faster but an outside of presence that you cannot like not think about. He has to be on your mind every single play. And that's going to be Dougie Doddard. And with those three, right, those answer the questions. And I'm guessing a fourth all saints has it always been, there's going to be more on the way that we just don't know about yet. The third thing is right. You have to get a defensive monster. Robert Sanders is gone, and that's a huge loss. It's also Kevin Chumley at the linebacking decision. Those are playmaker dudes that they had at the linebacking spot that they need to replace, and that's going to be the biggest issue for them in the next season. Uh, if they want to make state, they need a defensive presence badly, like like a Robert Sanders. Um, so that's going to be one to watch to see who they come up with in that spot next year. Um, that's their third thing they need to figure out to win state. The fourth thing they need to figure out is – how do you replace some of the offensive linemen that are leaving? Charlie Johnson is leaving. Uh, Bennett Nanali is leaving. And uh, there might be one more offensive lineman that's leaving. Cole Edrich and one of my favorites in the 2025 class, Ian Bothwell, is also coming back. So those are two guys that are going to be helpful on your offensive line who have playoff experience, multi-year starters. So that's going to be interesting to watch next year. But um, – they have their quarterback. They have some weapons. They need a defensive presence, and they need to strengthen up that offensive line again for them this year. Those are the two things they need to figure out going into the next year, but don't get it twisted. They're not playing games this offseason, and they're on the way back to state. Absolutely. I mean, here's a question I'll pose because all Saints had a ton of hype going into this previous season, and we right. all said, we all said they are the favorites to win the North and advance to the state title game and possibly win. I think we had them along with Fort Bend as our favorites to win. 
Now, granted, we were right, but the road looked a lot different than what we expected. Do you yep. do you see? And especially, I think this plays into all those transfers coming in. You might have all the talent, but it might take them a while to get things going and really gel. I think that's yeah. what happened this past year. Do you think, like last year, will this All Saints team take a while to really mesh into the form that they can be, or do you think, unlike last year, they're going to start clicking immediately? And regardless of regardless of any chemistry issues, the talent is going to overwhelm everyone. I think it's an interesting thing because I think Jalen Spriggs didn't come until the summertime for. Uh, for all saints last year. And the biggest thing is you have to have those relationships with your quarterback. Those receiver uh, quarterback connections is key to have formalities and for having not formalities, but an offense that works. And so Keller Ryan's going to come here in the spring and he's going to have basically almost a whole year to figure out those relationships. And with his receivers, especially with Dougie and Kevin already there, that's going to be huge for them. So yes, they have guys and they have a lot of under talent, underclassmen talent. They always do there at Fort Worth All Saints. So I'm not surprised if someone we don't even know yet steps up to the challenge next year, 26 or 25. But um, they're gonna, he's gonna have those connections. He's gonna have those relationships built maybe by the season. So yeah, maybe they don't as struggle as you know All Saints did last year, um, early in the season. But it's always been interesting because. We've said for the past couple of years, Fort Worth All Saints is probably one of the most talented teams out there, but they just don't get it done in the end. Like they always just don't live up to expectations. And they lived up to expectations, I guess, this year with a state championship appearance, but they definitely have a much, as much talent as anyone in this in the dish or division to win state. So can they do it next year? That's gonna be an interesting thing. Um, they can't start slow. I think they have to get that game going and they have to have the coaching right because coach Beck is a legendary coach. So he has to get his guys and ready to go this year early, probably more than later. Yeah. But Hey, district yeah, I mean, no, at the end I, of the I day, that'll be very interesting to watch. One thing I want to hit on. I mean, I was just going to say at the end of the day, district is what matters. So, I mean, as long as they win district and use that non-district game, non-district games to, you know, work on stuff. It doesn't, I mean, that doesn't really matter about non-district, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you want to win those games, but if you're going to struggle, you struggle early. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely right in saying that. Another thing I do want to hit on is Jaden and Katori Crawl, both transferring from Trinity Christian Cedar Hill, which is now Trinity Christian leadership to Dallas Christian. And something I think is not, a, not just a bit, but rather ironic. Because you'll notice back in the day when we played, this is especially relevant to us because we played in this era, D.C. was essentially, not essentially, they were dethroned in that district by Trinity Christian because Trinity just amassed all of these transfers from Dallas. I think a lot of the times would go to Dallas Christian and they ate up all these transfers with the with um with coach uh coach prime my blank guys yeah coach prime sorry i was trying to think whether to call him coach dion or coach prime but coach prime goes to trinity takes all these guys and now you're seeing the reverse happen and i think the death of trinity leadership is due to dallas christian sucking all of these recruits away but more on Jaden and katori crawl Jaden crawley edge katori crawl the athlete i mean both of these guys we looked at the tape legit dudes how do you think these guys are going to impact dallas christian and d3 as a whole I want to say, is it is the bigger is the bigger brother Jaden? He's six three two hundred, and that means he's probably gonna. Be, I think he's like an edge rusher. I think as a player, and I don't know if you could quote me. I think they haven't had a true edge rusher like this since so maybe Palmer Nix. Honestly, like a true edge rusher off the edge that is just disruptive. You know what I'm saying? 
because they've always had just solid defensive linemen, but not really true like speed rush off the edge that this guy could honestly bring. So that's pretty, pretty deadly. Looking at Katori, you know, we talk about the edge rusher of his brother, but Katori is more just as his Twitter, uh, as his huddle says, Mr. Do it all. Um, He's a pure athlete. And that's something that, you know, you already have in speedy nettles and you, why not just have more, you know, type of thing. And, you know, he plays running back receiver or running back uh, quarterback for them in his for early uh, huddle clips, but also plays safety. So I'm going to guess with uh, Jaden Davis, as we already mentioned earlier, coming from D- going to DC as the true running back, more grounded pound. I can see Katori being like the speed back for them playing receiver on the opposite side of speedy, which is also very dangerous. And then putting him at safety. And you put, you put him at safety. You put uh, Will uh, Speedy on one corner, and then you put uh, uh, this uh, the, his other brother at the edge rush on one side. He only got one side of the field to go to against DC, and that's I mean that's any defensive coordinator's dream to have. So I mean DC is always loaded. They always will have dudes, and they have dudes again. And we talked always talked about like how do they undo this massive senior class leaving. You get guys from Dallas and you bring them in. That's just how the how it is over at DC, and they keep winning games. The parish of Division Three, the moniker becomes more and more true with each passing season. But it's okay. it is funny to me how much those parallel each other. But with with that, those are all the guys for sure that we know are transferring. Now we're going to talk about some guys that are speculated. First well, we, being Jack. Well, I want to talk about the Liberty guys too. Cole Welliver. Oh, of course. Let's talk about him, Cole Welliver. Uh, we'll talk about it more later about how we rank 24 quarterbacks because I think it's an interesting topic. Cole Welliver. By the way, when we, when we say how we rank, because I can already see the people saying this, we are not uh, Texas private school football guy. We are not the yeah. guys that we are not the guys that rank. These are just our, we are not the guys that rank, but this is just our discussion. Exactly. And we're only going to do like top five because I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not doing all of them, but Cole Welliver is the best of all of them. It's just how it is. Cole Welliver is a true four-star talent coming into Argyle Liberty. And we talk about Hogan Nelson. I think it is going to be a quarterback battle, but I don't I don't truly see Hogan winning that battle. I think Cole Welliver is a true – I believe this is going to be his third school in high school now because he came from Washington State, I believe, uh, came into Flower Mound Marcus, balled there after Nussmeyer left to LSU, played there for a couple of years, and now is there. And – and I will say really quickly, it is rumor that Hogan's switching to defense. So that is something to watch. Right. And I think that's going to be good for him. He's more of a baseball player too. So I can see his baseball career going that way. But this is huge. Like we talked about, uh, right? I think right after they lost and we said they're a young team. Brady Janusek's back, Quentin Brown, CJ Witten, uh, and others that I just don't know on the top of my head right now. But we asked all these, with all these weapons, all these, athletes we always said who who's going to throw him the ball jacob vaughn was an elite quarterback and he was exactly what they needed this year but you lose him and who do you have now a 6a proven quarterback from flower mount marcus who's a true four-star 6-6 just prototype type of quarterback and you come in and put him in that offense let him throw to Janusek brown and others i mean that's disgusting that is truly disgusting for any team you face and i'm and we, did, we talked about it last year uh we talked about it, you know, how the District of Doom was that Taps Division Two, District One. It's going to be that again this year. And honestly, if SES, Fourth Christian, and Midland is not preparing and trying to see if they can get guys too, they're going to get get left behind in this district. That's just how it is. That's how the cookie crumbles. And it's it's a it's a harsh reality you have to face. 
Um, especially with fourth, I mean, Chris, fourth Christian, no. new head coach, losing your starting quarterback. Uh, that's that's a whole situation for this offseason. SES loses their head coach. Um, their quarterback trans or not transfer, sorry, graduates. You lose Antoine Paul, the majority of your offense, Tanner Zeman, the majority of your offense. What are they? What's their identity next year? And then Midland, you lose Blake Pruitt on the at the quarterback position. I don't know who else they have. So uh, at the quarterback. So it's it's a wild scene. Wild, wild scene. I'm just gonna say all of those district one teams should be thanking their lucky stars are not playing in district two because district two, district two is going to destroy district one when they I can't even say it seriously. But I, I am glad personally that Grace Community is sheltered by District Two. We're not gonna be subject to to liberty and all of them over and over and over again. But you know, Division her division two district one, just like last year, maybe is gonna be better than last year. And I'm very excited for it. I'm always I'm always very excited to see this influx of new talent come into private schools just because it, it makes it more interesting. When you have this many good players, you know, the old adage iron sharpens iron is very true. We're gonna see that on full display in the 2022. And that, oh, the 2023 season, time is slipping through my fingers. I want to say it. uh, I don't know my calendar for next year, but definitely mark me down for that Fort Worth Hall Saints versus Argyle Liberty matchup next year. Cole Welliver versus uh, Keldon Ryan, elite quarterback matchup. That is going to be absolutely nuts. But, Walker, if there's nothing else to discuss regarding solid concrete transfers, let's talk about some, some speculative stuff. First one being Jack Harwell from TCA being rumored to transfer to Parrish. Um, that's going to be big for them. He's a guy, he's a defensive lineman. We like a lot for TCA. We've been watching his film. Um, how do you think that's going to make a stacked parish team that much better with his addition? I mean, that's huge. You know, you lose Trey Williams, you lose James Cave, you lose Ian Ussery, which honestly, I'm going to shout out Ian Ussery for a second. He is a true, like, um, like underrated guy for that defensive line. You know, they have all the stars, but Ian Ussery in the middle uh, doesn't get enough love, and we want to give him that love because he's a huge part of that offensive defensive line who just stays in the middle. And that's exactly what Jark Harwell, if he transfers to Parrish, is going to do. He is a true elite, one of the best underclassmen in 25. Um, he's going to fit that spot beautifully. And with, uh, I think, number 44 for Parrish, maybe replacing the Trey Williams maybe, and another guy probably going to come in. Well, you have Mitchell Irving. Uh, Harwell, and then now remember that like 44 who transfers in and out yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good offensive defensive line, not as good as last year, but for Parrish, that's pretty dang good. Um, and they'll probably bring in one more, so you know, it is it's it's Parrish, you never know. So that's huge for them because that's a position of need, especially when you play uh Oak Cliff again, Alito again, um, China Springs, and others. You need a good defensive lineman in the middle to just cause havoc so you can't get run up the middle. So yeah, they're going to have to come correct. But again, it's Parrish's coach, Novikov. They most certainly will. I think we're going to see a very good Parrish front again next year. Also, we've talked a lot about D.C. and Trinity transfers, but let's talk about a public school to private school transfer. Jaden Davis from North Garland, rumored to be another in the next line of great transfer running backs at Dallas Christian. Walker, I think we, we were talking about with the addition of Jaden Davis and also having Katori Crawford. Uh, wait. Yeah, Katori Crawford, Mr. Do-It-All. That's going to be a stacked, stacked running back room for D.C. How do you think Jaden Davis is going to impact this D.C. team? Yeah, I think he is um, – he's going to be a lot – like I don't I, – I was going to say if you had Zach Hernandez 
and you had uh what's the guy before him? What was the running back a year ago? Um for DC. It wasn't it wasn't Sean Coleman, was it? No, it was the year after was... it was um oh. oh 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 Jaleel Brown. Jaleel Brown. Yes. I would say like Jaleel is uh this guy. Sorry, I'm sorry. I would say like Katori is like the him. And then I would say like the Zach Hernandez is Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis is like going to be the guy that is going to take up like probably three of those downs. And he's just going to run the ball really, really well. He's a, he can, he can, he's enforcer. He can get the extra yards and he's also a little shifty, just like kind of like Zach in a way, which if you have another Zach Hernandez on your team, you'll be definitely fine again uh, for this year, but it's going to be a big thing for, uh, you know, they pride themselves on running the football and that's exactly what they're going to do with him. So big, big addition for DC. Oh, absolutely. And also probably my favorite news on this list, if it happens, the Allen quarterback, Michael Hawkins, who now who recently announced he will be transferring out of Allen high school there are some substantial rumors that he might end up at Prestonwood Christian Academy, which, oh boy, PCA would be reloading in a huge way. Um, McGuire Martin, obviously a great quarterback for PCA the last few years. They're replacing him with Michael Hawkins. If that happens, Walker, what is that going to mean for Taps Division One and Prestonwood? If any year, I think this is going to be huge because definitely – uh, Preston Wood is losing a lot of talent. Luke McGarry, Carter Stoutmeyer, McGuire Martin, AJ Sibley, uh, Luke McNeely, McKeely, McNeely, McNeely, and others. But so they're losing a lot of uh, Troop O'Neill also, but they're losing a lot of like, you know, big time talent. But also Parrish is losing a lot of big time talent. If they can get a guy like Michael Hawkins, which is still speculation, and you know, I could definitely see him there at PCA because there's other there's been many of times that an Allen guy transfers away uh to around those to- around places like in North DFW. That's gonna be huge. That's huge. Um he I mean he's I think he's the top 15 quarterback according to 247 in the country next year. Um he's a great asset. I know a lot of big time call uh, colleges are calling him probably on daily looking for him to commit to their school. So that's going to be a huge asset for them. Um, it just it just so happens doesn't happen, and that's going to be huge. I could definitely see it happening, and I think maybe because of that, I think Parish or sorry Preston would would kind of go back to the Preston would of old of passing the ball a lot, like you always know with Preston Wood. So they're going to throw the ball, and they're going to just have great athletes around them to catch that ball. So with Michael Hawkins going there, I could see other guys coming his way with him. I mean, it's just how it is sometimes. So it's going to be interesting to watch for sure if that actually comes to fruition. I'm not going to say they're not the favorites or anything like that because Parrish is still going to be the favorites going into next season. But you could see a maybe a closer game than you would think next going into next year. I think so. And to add on to that, I will pose you this question. Say that Michael Hawkins does end up at Preston Wood. What else does Preston would need to do to compete and potentially compete for that number one spot in D1 and go back to the Preston Wood of old? I mean, it's it sounds so bad that I'm like, you need to get some guys in from the portal, which, but it's it's kind of true. It's, it's the era we live in. And I want to say, I want I'm gonna say this completely right now. This is not just a private school thing. If anyone tells you, oh, it's just private schools transferring in and out, that is not true. You see big time public schools having guys transfer in and out all the time. So every if anyone hates on private school being like, oh, well, it's because of this. No, 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 no. 
you have transfers in and out yearly for public schools as well. And they have, I will give them credit. UIL probably did somewhat of a better job, maybe canceling some of them, but uh, yeah, it is, it is a statewide thing. So it's not just private school. Anyways, back to my point, back to your question. I think they need a receiver, big time receiver. Like, you know, uh, CJ Jackson was there last year was his main guy. I think that's a big thing. I think they need a powerhouse running back. AJ Sibley is gone. We watched for like 20, I think like what, 2,200 yards. That's going to be a big thing they need to replace. And replacing like a, a Luke Manili and a strong corner and Carter Salmeyer. They need to replace their power five guys, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, oh, yeah. They need to replace their weapons on the other, other side. They have the solid role players. They have those guys and guys who are just going to get their job done. They need guys to extend the game and make big time plays. And that's what Preston would needs next year. And they've had them in the past. They've always had a D one guy or two. Um, it was going to be, it would be so interesting if a guy like AJ J Rose stayed, uh, I know where I forget where he committed, but I think like Louisiana tech or something, uh, he went to Frisco went to prosper, maybe, or uh, Frisco Reedy, one of the two, one of the green schools up there. Um, but he was a big time weapon from the outside. If they get a guy like him, then you're maybe calling a ball game. And you're going to be interesting to see if pa- Parrish might get hit in the mouth next year and be like, oh, this is a different Parrish team if you have all of these guys coming in. But that's up to Coach Yantis and the rest of those guys to uh, hopefully have guys moving in that help them or you have underclassmen guys that can help them out. Because I know also I believe the backup quarterback is also from Allen. He transferred in last year. I believe he played safety for them, number 14. Um, I can't remember on the top of my head his name. But he was – I think he's like a 2025 20, and transferred um, from Allen, I think, last year or the year before to come in. So he's going to be a key part for this team next year. Um, if he is, if it's not Michael Hawkins and it's another him, he still they still need weapons. So it's going to be interesting to see who steps up next year. Maybe an underclassman or something like that can be the guy for them next year. It's going to be interesting to watch. I definitely think so. I think Preston would have started to realize they're losing ground to perish and they're not going to stand for that. And I think they're finally starting to go out and be like, okay, we're going back to the old Preston Woods. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. Also, some more speculation. We don't have any names for sure, but it is rumored that a lot of guys in the South are going to be transferring into Fort Bend Christian Academy. There was a lot of noise last year about guys transferring into FBCA. Some of those guys didn't work out, which I was sad to see, but that didn't really hinder pre- or, uh, Fort Bend at all because they made their way to a state championship and won it. But I really do want to see how Coach Jordan Black and that staff can go out and see if they can get any big pieces to FBCA. So this is going to sound really redundant to the last question I asked, but Walker, if FBCA is going to go out and get guys, who needs to be replaced on that team and who needs to be pursued in order to take them back to a state championship? Receivers. That's firstly that. Um, you're having to replace Cardoni. You're having to replace Domino. You're going to have Tyler Curry, who's going to be back for next year, who's going to be a good weapon for them. And he might be your number one option this year, but you need a number two right behind him. You know what I'm saying? Ethan, Ethan Williams was a senior, I believe. Right. And so you're going to need a big time running back. Right. And so they have speculation that they have a big guy coming in. So that's gonna be interesting to watch. Um, offensive line, you know, you lose Aiden Rhodes and Robinson, I believe. I believe they were both 23s. So you need a big guy up in the front to help out with Bennett Warren. You just need a good offensive line. Um, Ducksworth is back. You have Gramble back. You're going to have to replace superstar Connor Tallis for them next year because I believe he's a 23. 
Um, Kobe Sellers is on one side of the defense. Um, what else? Safeties probably, you know, you lose James Donovan. That's a huge one in the defensive side of the ball. Others, right? Other big time players. Um, the question is quarterback, right? We know Kobe Sellers can be a guy at quarterback, but I don't know how much he actually threw the ball this year. Honestly, did you ever Not see him throw the ball? He, whenever he was in, he was primarily used out of the wildcat I mean, just because right. his legs are not because he can't throw the ball, but because he's so good with his legs that teams couldn't stop him. Right. So if he's the quarterback and he can throw the ball really well, you have your guy for the next two years. That's great. I just haven't seen him throw. And if you want to use him on defense and maybe as that wildcat even more, and you want to get another quarterback in, I mean, it's for Ben with a high powered offense. You can get a guy from Houston. I want to make this point very clear. No public school from Houston won a state championship in UIL this year. None. All all state championships were private school this year. That says a lot. North Shore have a guy. The Woodlands have their guy. Too many schools in Fort Bend have talent that are not winning games, especially in that Fort Bend district or ISD district that would love to play at Fort Bend Christian. So they can get a couple guys. Jordan Black has has gotten guys that transferred in here and there. And it's going to be interesting to watch to see how they go. But Kobe Sellers is that dog. And if you have him at quarterback and he can throw the ball, Jordan Black would be mighty happy to have him there. Yeah, there's enough connections on that staff. And even on that team, all those guys, a lot of those guys play in these in these competitive seven-on-seven leagues now. So you oh, forget yeah. that these guys don't live in a private school bubble. They are frequently interacting with and playing with and against public school guys and now these players i don't even think it's necessarily it's not illegal for players to go out and recruit other players if a kid wants a better opportunity at a different school why not but that is that that will conclude all of our speculation and on the transfer portal in texas private school football i mean it's a very interesting subject to talk about it's going to have a huge impact no doubt on how the next season is played in the landscape of the divisions but we will wait and we will update y'all with more information as it comes via Twitter, Instagram, or another update episode. Now, we're going to move into the Q&A section over the past couple of weeks. We've given Q&A stickers out on Instagram. I love interacting with those. It's one of my favorite parts of the job. But we're going to talk about some of the more interesting questions here live on the episode. The first being uh, a submission from an All Saints guy that said, quote, talk about how All Saints is going to win state. I mean, as of right now, we're in the same position, like I mentioned, as we were moving into the 2022 season, where All Saints is absolutely stacked, and it would be asinine to say that they don't have a shot at winning state. So, Walker, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but how poised do you think All Saints is to go back, not only compete for the state title, but win it this year? Yeah, do you want to do, like, I guess we could just do a projection. You want to do, let's do a projections for state next year, like our top two. Let's do it right now. I'm doing it on the top of our head. D1, D1, I would say Parrish and St. Thomas next year. That would be my D1 speculation. I'm trying to think, does, is that, I forget, because D1 yeah. is the only, is the only division where, uh, where yeah, the you, you could say I would play the South. You could have Prestonwood in there. Uh, <clears throat> Prestonwood, I would have as a dark horse to play Parrish right now, just because, if um if Michael Hawkins goes and they get big pieces, I can see them going back and being elite as they were in the past. But as of now, I think I think St. Thomas Parish is a smart guess. So D two, I think I, I will go ahead here. I think again we're, we'll get clowned for this because we were wrong, but we were right. All Saints, I think All Saints has to be a favorite at this point in the season to go back. And then yeah. out of the South, I mean, 
I don't want to just fall back off last year and say Fort Bend again, but I'd say them are Regents. Yeah. And the Regents sounds like they're reloading as well. That God, that, that Fort Bend Regents, uh, that Fort Bend Regents saga and what it's become over the past few years is a beautiful thing. Second Baptist has to be considered as well. They're, no matter what athletes they have, their culture is so strong and established. Yep. You can't count them out. I mean, I mean, I'm curious to hear what you think. I will go Liberty. I'm going to go Liberty uh, beating uh, whatever Fourth All Saints right now going into next year. I think it's going to be very, very close. But I, I, Coach Wynn is not going to come to play next year, and I think that's going to be a huge team to watch next year. I think in the South, I'm going to go Regents. I think it's going to oh, – man, well, you still re- – you, re- you return Max Granville, and Max Granville by himself will terrorize any team he faces. A we ju- saw that. A junior year Max Granville might go for 25 sacks. Here, here, I'm, random I'm, I'm, question I'm, off the dome. Do you think Max Granville's junior season could be better than Curly Thomas's junior season? Oh, Curly had a so, fantastic year. Oh, my goodness. Um, one of the best years we've seen out of the defensive lineman in private school, if not the best. Besides in out Edda. Ed out is at a category of yeah, himself yeah. in B3. But um, in, in the top one and two, I mean, I don't know how you – yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say he can match it for sure in that top of the league. I mean, Max Granville was a true power five talent, and just speaking, I don't, especially with Beck, uh, with Ben Bryden going and another lineman, I believe. I think Walker Petrie's a twenty. Uh, is he twenty four? Is he twenty three? I want to say he's a twenty three. Um, so. Some of those offensive linemen for regions leaving next year, I could see. I can definitely see Max Granville terrorizing them for another year. So give me, give me, give me Fort Bend. Uh, they'll fix out the other kinks in their offense and their team. So yeah, give me Fort Bend. Give me Liberty. That's gonna be a good D one, uh, D one and D two for sure. D three. Okay, so, I mean, one DC. one answer is almost decided already. DC is one. In the South, who do you have next year? Cypress, I think, is gonna take a step back, but they're still gonna be favorites in the South. Does Gibby and the rest of San Antonio be the favorites next year? Does Bay Area? I don't know. If It'll else. be interesting to see how Holy Cross responds because they lose Rudy, they lose Joe Angel Perez, and those were the big three along with Gibby. Gibby comes back. And Xavier Garza is gone too. That's tough. Yeah, I I don't – I'm going to need to see a couple games out of Holy Cross before I can say that. I don't know. The South is going to be almost wide open because, like you said, Cypress takes a couple steps back. We don't know what Bay Area is bringing back. Holy Cross, maybe, maybe not. will be interesting. Out of those three teams, gun to your head right now, who do you say? I'll go Cypress. Cypress is going to find a – Cypress – the Cypress ISD is so loaded with talent. There's going to be a one or two guys that just transfer over to Cypress and takes – like Landrum is a huge loss for them. And I think there's going to be a guy or two that come in and kind of just control that that team, and is going to go into the next level for that team and go to bring them to state again. But I think it's wide open right now with no idea about teams next year. And there probably is a Cypress guy that's on the come up that can be good next year with Coach Hogan. But uh, D four. Oh wait, no, you never answered. Who gun to your head? Who do you want? 
Uh, I'm going to go with you. The easy, it's kind of the cop out answer being Cyprus, you know, it just traditionally. But I mean, with with so much uncertainty right now, that's all I can fall back on is what I know. I think Cyprus, most yeah. likely, with the knowledge we have now, is the most likely team to advance the state out of the South. But yeah. you bring up D four. I mean, I don't know how much Lubbock Christian loses. Obviously, they lose backs, but with with they don't lose softly. I know that for sure. And with that scheme, that offense they're running, holy cow! They have that one kid whose name starts with an F, who I think is back. It's a long name that starts. His last name starts yeah, with an F. Fairbo or something like Fairball or something like that. Uh, the receiver, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely back. Um, I'm gonna go Fortin. I'm gonna go first Dallas, first Baptist though. Another big one we we forgot to see, Hunter McCoy is transferring from Weatherford Christian to Dallas First Baptist. And Jason LaVorne is a quarterback's guru over there. He has a lot of guys over there. Having a, one of the best quarterbacks in TAPS uh, D4 there now on their roster with Elijah Kaysen, Caleb Mitchell, and also 2026 Dominic Sadu Robinson. Um, it looks like he's received a couple offers as a 2026 UTSA, uh, Ole Miss, and others. Colorado, you know, uh, as a 2026, it's hard to like really say, oh yeah, these are offers. These are definitely potential offers, but that's still huge for a 2026 and taps D4. Um, they have a lot of talent going through that roster, especially at the weapons position. If they put it all together and to get some big guys up front to kind of match with the other teams, I think first Baptist can be the team to win the team to beat and taps D4 next year. And the South, I mean, it's hard not to beat against Shiner. I mean, Shiner, uh, Hallettsville Sacred Heart can make a run. They still have that kicker slash athlete. What's his name? Nicholas Angerstein, the Hallettsville yeah. Sacred Heart, just do it all guy. He's going to be back. And hey, Ryan Struzinski is going to be back next year. So that could be one to watch for sure. In, in the north, in the south, I go Central Texas Christian, Shiner, or Angerst or Hallettsville Sacred Heart. So I'm going to guess a First Baptist versus. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Central Texas Christian. I think uh, or uh, sorry, uh, Waxsmith's son is gone. They lose a couple other guys. They have a couple talents. Don't get it wrong, but I just don't know if they make it back again this year. Yeah, the changing of the guard will be an interesting, um, interesting thing to observe with Shiner St. Paul. If I had to say, I'd, I'd still bet on Shiner St. Paul winning the South. I talk a lot about culture, but culture is very important. I think. Once you have that long established line of winning down, yeah. I think that's hard to fall out of. And I think I think Coach Walksmith is going to do a good job of getting whatever new guys he has coming up in his program ready to play. So I think I think we'll see we'll see Shiner back at state next year. But I guess back to like the, yeah, back to the question you actually asked to do all this. All Saints, I think they're <laughs> I think they're poised in the right direction to go back, and they're bringing talent in to help them do that. They just need to probably a couple more pieces to say they are for sure the favorites going into the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's a good point. Also, something that we've talked about a little bit as well, but Dallas Christian, someone said Dallas Christian, back to back to back, question mark. As of now, you have to assume yes, right? Like there's yeah. no way. Who, who are you going to pick? Who are you going to pick right now, D3 to beat DC? No, no one. DC exactly. is going to be definitely the favorite. I think so. even more so, even more so this year than last year. So, Quick answer to that question, but DC back to back to back question mark. DC, yes, period. Yes. Next item of business. Faith and legacy coaches leaving. This is something, this is something big. 
Um, it's the, the legacy situation is very, very interesting to me. I wish we had Ryan on to talk about it because that's his roots. But it seemed like at the beginning of this season, Coach Trotter was coming in and setting up for the long haul. He brought his staff in with him. It looked like there – it didn't look like there was a complete culture change. Like, I mean – I mean, like switching Twitter accounts, like complete new influx of staff and players. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, right when the season, Coach Charter's gone. No affiliation yeah. with Legacy. Legacy's out of all of his Twitter stuff. It's been officially announced, I'm assuming, at this point. But, I mean, Walker, I want your opinion on this. Um, there often is, and what we've heard is, disagreement between coaches and parents, coaches and administration um, it seems it's odd when a coach seems to set up for the long haul and is out after one year. But I mean, what do you think? What do you think about the situation at Legacy right now as it stands? Finding the right fit for a school is so hard between all those the triangle of parents, administration, and coaches. And also, I was honestly like I'd say a rectangle of also players. The players have to like the coach, you know? And so after having to find that balance is so hard if you're not just like if you're a first year head coach, you know, the, the Waxmiths, the Wheelers, the Novikovs, um, uh, you know, it's hard to find those guys that have just been there for so long and there's no re- me- reason to change it because, you know, they are the AD, they are this big name and they kind of know how to do it and everyone loves them there. It's hard to do that as a first year head coach. You have to build that. And, you know, a guy like um, Jordan Black, you know, he came in a couple years ago and he had to build it and have to have the buy-in from the administration and when you have that buy-in from the administration it's so helpful to have that connection going you know uh you know there's a whole reason that like i'm gonna go back to a&m for a second there's a scott woodward brought jimbo fisher here to texas a&m right and the reason he came here was kind of that one a&m is a great campus and great university but two the relationship with the ad and all the other guys is so valuable for teams to have success because if you have the the administration backing you, it's so much easier to have success for your team. Um, so that's gonna be huge. Maybe that is the issue. Maybe it's not. Maybe you just need another change of scenery. But no one no one goes into a program saying I'm only gonna be here for one year and then leave. That's never how it is. So there definitely was stuff behind the scenes that just didn't work. But I feel you know I kind of feel for those legacy guys. Brand new culture. They have to come in and they have to kind of reevaluate and bring in another whole team next year of coaches or whatever it happens could be interior staff could be another guy being brought in we don't know yet but that's gonna be very interesting to watch for sure for frisco um feel for the guys man that's that's my end of the day i i've been through i was through one coaching change in my career and that's still difficult uh, i couldn't imagine what they're going through after you know lose some of these juniors and sophomores going through two transfers now of coaching yeah, it's it's a tough situation, but I think the kids the legacy are tough enough to be able to absorb this and move on through it. I, I think I think legacy eventually will be back on their feet. It's just gonna take a while. You know, like you said, establishing a winning culture takes more than just a couple of years, but I think legacy can get back to that. Yep. Also, Grapevine Faith Coach leaving. I think that's not something that we expected. Um, it just kind of dropped on us. I don't have a lot of background information here. Do you have any specific thoughts on on that occurrence? No, but maybe you maybe it's kind of the writing of, on the wall. Sorry, the wall. No, the writing on the wall after the season. Kind of a disappointment, to be honest. Um, they had a lot of talent. Uh, Chase crosses in his senior year after playing for like four straight years. 
Um, and he's been there, and all of those guys have been there for a long time doing this culture, and they were definitely the favorites in that district, and they didn't live up to it. Honestly, what was it? Third place, if you want to kind of be real with, you know, TC, uh, what if Grace and Bishop Dunn kind of really won that district, if I would say, but, you know, three-way tie. But you know how it is. Like, it's a very interesting thing of kind of the disappointment of faith this year, and maybe that just kind of, like, Grapevine Faith is a program built on winning. And with not the winning as you thought it was going to have to be this year, maybe it was time to move on uh, coaching and administration. And hopefully for the best of the thing, they have a couple of younger guys. It's going to be interesting to watch for Grapevine Faith, but they're definitely going to be uh, kind of the recession after the cross and Jaden Norris and others are gone. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I think it will be for sure. Um, again, Faith has a good culture traditionally. It'll be a question of whether they can get back to that. But something that's going to a little a little more lighthearted and fun to talk about, the top 24 quarterbacks, I'm pretty sure the football guy just, just ranked those if I'm not just completely pulling that out of my butt. Yes. So looking at the top five for private schools in 2024, or quarterbacks in 2024, I mean, I think newcomer Cole Welliver, from Flower Mount Marcus is definitely going to be the number one spot. He has to be. He has everything you want in a quarterback. He's a prototype quarterback, 6'6", has a great arm. Uh, he's going to be a key asset for Liberty next year, who has a, honestly, kind of a quarterback U type of environment there with Starkle, with uh, mm, uh, the guy who went to Mississippi State, Greek, uh, Daniel Greek, and others before him. But I think going into the next spot, I would go Carson Gordon. I think Carson Gordon is my number two quarterback in that. I think he's very, very good. I think he's a dual threat dude, but he has a great arm and he showed it a lot for Bel Air this year. For my third spot, I'm going to say Dante Lewis. Dante Lewis is a gamer, man. And he was so, I like, on this, I just think he's so underrated, man. I love him. I think he's a great player. He's explosive. He's energetic. He makes things happen. And I think that's what you want in a quarterback. Um, Stephen Gill is my number four. I think Stephen is a out of all of them as like a true maybe a true passer. He might be the bet uh, second best behind Welliver, but because he's accurate. And when I saw him against uh, Episcopal, he got honestly like couldn't be. He was never comfortable because they were always defensive linemen in his face. His offensive line were not good last year. So I think Stephen Gill is a great quarterback. Um, I just didn't see a lot from him. And the one time I, he made a play was just very, very impressive. And so if he can keep doing that, and the, of course the other games he had were just insane this past year, uh, stats wise. So I think by pure passing, he might be number two, but, uh, I think Dante and Carson give a little bit more of that dual threat thing. Uh, but Gil is a great player and all four of those guys are insane, insane players. And they're going to be great for any teams to have in private school. And my fifth is Turner Murdoch from sec, uh, second Baptist. I think Turner is, uh, I think he's a lot like Steven in a way, but I would put him behind him because I don't know if he has as good of an arm, but with the running attack that they had this year, Turner didn't have to do too much, but he has that baseball background. He's a great athlete. If he can get the mental side of his game down to where he makes the right decisions and he makes the right throws, he has the arm. He has the ability. He has the size to be a really good quarterback in college. Uh, I think if he just gets the decision-making and that kind of accuracy right, he can be something special for sure. Those are my five. Yeah. I definitely think so. I'm not even going to waste the time saying my five. My five echo yours word for word. I mean, I, I, I'm most of you want to say how excited I am to watch Cole Welver enter a private school and compete with the other guys 
on this list, maybe not directly with them, but stats-wise and across divisions, I think it's going to be some incredible quarterback play. We talk about the class of 25 and how good that is recruiting-wise, but with the guys you just mentioned, I mean, the class of 24 is is very, very solid as well, and it's going to lead to some very interesting developments coming this next season. But that wraps up our discussion on the top quarterbacks in 2024. And now we're going to get into our quick thoughts on some teams before we get out of here. The first being St. Thomas. Obviously, St. Thomas loses some key guys. Jack Ward. Who, who else, Walker? <laughs> you give it to me. I respect that. Uh, they lose a defensive lineman, number 66, I believe. I forget his name. Um, he's been on a couple visits. They lose Caleb Davis in the DB spot. They lose uh they lose Schaefer Henderson. Uh they lose Is Edgecombe back or is he still there? I believe he might be I think he's a twenty four, so I think he's okay. back. Um and there are other like I think D B spots. I, I really the their roster is still I had to clean my car out the other day and their roster sheet is still in my car. I could have gone in and got it. But um from going to that <laughs> STH visit that one day. But I think SDH is poised of anyone to be in the state championship next year. I think they have a returning starting quarterback. It might be the best player. I I might say it. Uh, Johan Cardenas might be the best player returning in Taps D1 next year. Honestly, with the Caleb Mitchell Irving and others, um, but he is a difference maker and he's going to be key for them to return. If he's healthy and ready to go next year, they have a bright spot to return to the state championship. Um, he is very, very good. And Dante is very, very good as well. Them two with Edge with Edgecombe and Larry Ben on the outside. If you get some big guys up front, I really, really like after watching some award show film, their center, the number 20, uh, the 2025. I want to find his name because he is very good. Anthony Pellerin, the offensive lineman from St. Thomas, the number center. He is very good. And he's only a sophomore. He's going to be definitely one to watch. If you get guys around him and some of those younger guys to help him out, they're going to be very, very good. I know Tyler Day returns. I know Zach, uh, Zach Roach is a 23. They have Usa. Uh, no, they have, was it Nansa Ume, the 2026 defensive lineman we saw. They have the 2024 other number 33, I believe, the defensive lineman for them. Uh, they return Grant Stewart on the outside. They return um, Bonner as well who is, you know, the younger brother of the Baylor wide receiver um, and some others. I believe Aaron Valentine, I believe, is a 24 who plays safety for them. So they have dudes all over the place that are returning. I think they're poised. I think they have the most returning starters. I'm going to just – I'm gonna. I have no stats on this, but I'm just going to guess out of Parrish, Preston, and them. That I would honestly probably assume that. Um, so I think for them, that's huge. And I think if they get one more year under the belt, they could be the state championship contenders next year for sure. That's my yeah. That's my like. That's my dark horse is St. Thomas next year to be the state championship. Uh, no, I'm gonna say it. they're the dark horse team to win the state championship in Taps D1 next year. Absolutely, and with all that returning talent, I think you bring up a good point with Johan being the best returning player. I mean, that dude just physically, that dude's a freak. Seeing him in person, he's huge, and he's not. I've said this before. It's not just that he's gigantic; he's fast, and he controls his body very, very well. I mean, he's such a good player, and St. Thomas is going to utilize him and benefit from him greatly next season. Yep. But moving on to another Houston squad, this time in Division Two, Houston Second Baptist. Second Baptist off rip, I like a lot next year. They bring back Turner Murdoch. They bring back JD Crisp, who's an elite athlete. Someone that I like a lot 
is freshman, going to be sophomore receiver next year, Cannon Toon. I didn't know who Cannon Toon was until I watched him get absolutely lit up <laughs> against Fort Bend catching a pass in the end zone, and he held on to the ball and popped right back up. And I was like, this yeah. kid is a freshman. This kid is 14 or 15 years old and can absorb a hit like that and get up like that. I mean, he, he instantly earned my respect. And, I mean, just physically, he's 6'3", 175, is a 14- or 15-year-old. Come on. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to be he's gonna be a great player for them next year. What's even better is his older brother, who didn't play last year because of an injury, is Hudson Toon. It was the freshman star for them a couple years ago, now going to be senior. Uh, he's going to play safety for them last, next year, I believe, probably. So the Toon brothers and the other guys you mentioned, plus remember that number 78 offensive lineman? Uh, the big guy, yeah. he's going to be back. They have uh, Bryce Brown or uh, Bryce Butler. Yeah. Bryce Butler is going to be back for them at running back. Um, he's the Eli Smith replacement. And if they get some other guys, I know John Deering was a guy at number 70 for offensive defensive lines, and you lose Kyle Cole Morgan. Those are the two things. On the offensive defensive lines, you lose a couple guys, and Kyle Cole Morgan missed to do it all for you. Uh, Jackson Powers, is he back? Was he at 24 or is he at 23? I think he's a 24, I want to say. But he's going to be back at the DB spot, so you have to replace Kyle Cole Morgan, who was honestly the heart of your team. And having to replace him is going to be crucial for your success next year. And if you can do that, then you have success. If not, um, you might have some disappointment this year. I still think they're probably the second-best team in that district, but um, they need some help if they want to kind of compete with uh, Fort Bend next year. Which, hey, granted they did this year uh, in district, but they didn't do it in playoffs. So we'll see how it goes with uh, for, for Second Baptist this year. I don't know. The more I talk about it, the more I think they might be the favorites in the South. I mean, all those guys returning. Make, I mean, yeah, you make a good point. You definitely make a good point. Um, JD Crisp and uh, and Turner Murdoch returning with all the other guys we just mentioned. JD Crisp is one of the best guys in Taps uh, District Four. Um, so he has to play like it for him to be uh, the, them to be the front runner in that district next year. I agree. It'll be very, it'll be very intriguing to see how second Baptist utilizes their returning talent next year. Now switching to a team in Fort Worth that is not returning a lot, Fort Worth Christian, they're going to be in a very interesting spot next year, not only because of graduating kids, but Hogan Nelson transfers out. Obviously, Addison Querton graduates. So does Jacob Trimble. I mean, Jordan Green's gone, too. That's a ton of returning talent. That's almost their entire offensive talent right there I mentioned gone. So, Walker, just off rip, how do you think Fort Worth Christian, you know, replaces and fares with those major contributors leaving? Being real, I don't think you replace them. I don't know how. I think for the first time in a while, I know they went 4-8 and eight last year. But this might be the year of like, we we said it, right? We said it before the season. If any year you want to have success and go to the state championship, you had to do it this year. And they were one win short of the state championship. I don't know how they replace them. I don't think you can. Bryce Bradley is a highlight and he's going to be a spark for them next year. I think he's a division one caliber type player. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do next year. Because they with a new head coach, a lot of guys coming uh, not coming back. It's going to be a hard spot for them to be in. It's not even like it's it's offensive line, defensive line, uh, DB, receiver, running back, quarterback. They're losing all of them. And so it's not just like one position. It's all over the field. And so it's going to be a rough spot 
And we just had to mention we we had to talk about that because Fort Worth Christian's always been a staple program in private school, and you're seeing a lot of guys transfer out or leave or graduate. I'm so interested to see how this program moves forward with all that talent leaving. That's going to be a huge testament to see how good this program is going to be. Yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from all those losses. Speaking of a DFW team losing a lot of players, Bishop Dunn, the only player I can think of offhand returning for Bishop Dunn is Juan Million Aguilar. I know they lose Jeremiah Horn. They lose Shandon King. They yeah. lose Gary Cook. I um, mean, they, they lose they lose a good amount of people. Um, it'll be interesting. Dunn is a team that has in the past recruited well, besides the two years of mystery where they just absolutely got beaten to the dirt game after game. But it's not the Dunn, that's not done anymore. I'm sure we haven't seen any guys in the in the portal that are going to go to Dunn. But, Walker, I mean, what do you think Dunn's chances are of replacing their production? And, you know, what are they – I don't know. How do you think Dunn stands as as it is right now, January 8th? I, I mean, they they – I'm going through their roster right now, so that's why I'm about to say names because, like, Ravon Robinson, he had eight interceptions this year. And I want to give credit, by the way. I know they always said it a lot. Bishop Dunn had, like, the most interceptions in the country this year. And I just want to say that's very, very impressive. So shout out to them. But Ravon Robinson had he's a junior coming back. He had eight interceptions. Lloyd Lewis was a hundred and like eighteen tackle guy. Uh he's a junior. Paul Geary's a sophomore at six foot. He's one to watch. Um they lose they bring back uh some other guys um that I just can't remember their names on the top of my head. But Quincy Reams is the quarterback going to be the going guy with the future. Remember, we talked about him before the season. Hey, he might be the guy, but it probably will be Shandon. So he probably will take the reins next year as a junior. It's going to be interesting to watch. With the down year, I think, of that Grapevine Faith is going to have next year, I'm going to say it, Wes. It might be your Grace Community Cougars to be the state uh, the, the favorites in TAPS uh, District. No, 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 no. Say the first thing. Say the first thing. <laughs> and just TAPS in general. <laughs> like, they no, might be the favorite. Don't jinx me like that, man. You know how superstitious I am. Do you hear that over the monitor? Do you hear that? That's knocking on wood right there. Um. I do think they have they have promise, so it's going to be probably a Bishop Dunn Grace, uh, kind of battle for that district next year. In my opinion, it's going to be interesting to watch. You do lose Reed Alexander. You lose what JT Williams as well, I believe. No, uh, I think JT's back. Okay, so you lose you lose Reed. You lose Cole Crawford. You lose Wilson. I think uh, Grant Turner's back. I think um, I think the center. Um, you lose uh, his name. Uh, you lose the outside receiver. You lose Jamarian Johnson, I believe, right? So yeah. you lose you lose a couple of guys. But I think Simeon Garner, dude, dude, we haven't mentioned him a lot. That dude's a that dude's a profile, um, high potential dude. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. But I think it's gonna be interesting to watch with Bishop Dunn. I think they bring back guys. I trust in that coaching staff. They're on the up and up with that team. So you never know next year. But uh, it's going to be a battle for them and Grace probably. And I'm not even saying that because Wes is here. I'm saying it like legitimately. I think it's going to be them too uh, battling out for that district next year. Oh, it makes me so excited. I'm I'm so ready for the Grace community resurgence. I, Anyways, last team we're going to talk about, St. Dominic Savio, because every time I post an Instagram story, somebody is commenting, why don't y'all talk about Savio? So, so everyone can stop messaging me this. We're talking about St. Dominic Savio. 
Savio played freelance this year. I don't is have they played freelance two consecutive years or? I mean, I I want to say so. Uh, Let me see. I don't know on the top of my head. But yeah, yeah, because they were in they were in the uh, actually no, they weren't in the district in twenty twenty anyway. Okay, so Saint Dominic Savio, we can say confidently, has been freelance for a decent amount of time. They went eight and two. This past year, losing to Holy Cross 35-27, to which actually is a, is a good loss for them against a good Holy Cross team. They lost to Central Texas Christian 34-28, to another great squad. They beat a bunch of other teams, including Prezati Catholic, JP2 New Braunfels, and Bishop Gorman out of Tyler. Looking at their roster, they do have they do have a good amount of young guys, it looks like. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think. No, they'll still be, they'll still be um, freelance this coming year, correct, Walker? I know districts don't reset until the next year, but I don't know if you can move in and out of freelance like that. I don't think so. I think it's pretty set in stone at a certain time. But, yeah, they definitely do have some guys coming back. I know the quarterback of Bright, uh, Leighton Riviere. I mean, he's a pretty good prospect. I've watched his film. He had 2,700 yards this past year, 34 touchdowns. He's a pretty good prospect for them. Um, and I think him, I like Bobby D. Humphreys, uh, the class of 2024 wide receiver, 6'1", 175, had 750 yards receiving this year. He's another guy. So they have a couple guys that are going to be pretty good prospects next year. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch. I want to give him his flowers because it's hard to talk about them in district because they don't have really a true district. Um, but they are a pretty good squad, and they're they're a good team. So it's going to be interesting to watch how they do next year. I know they lose a couple guys uh, that are seniors next year, but, um, yeah, I mean, they have a couple guys coming back, so it's going to be interesting to watch. I think so. You know, I'm, I'm rooting for Savio. I know uh, I know a couple guys that went to Savio that would, that would very much like to see them move back into a district and compete. So – would like to see Savio get back into a district and compete that way. But that being said, that's actually all the information we have to cover for the episode. Walker, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to, you want to hit on or mention? No, um, I think that's a good episode. Uh, thank you for everyone listening and how hopeful for another great year, uh, Texas private school football and basketball. I know Wes and I are going to go cover the Fort Worth Christian. Uh, was it fourth all saints game on Tuesday? Yes. Yes. I want to say that, but that's going to be a good game to go watch. Um, we're going to cover a couple more basketball. If you have a game down in Houston that Wes and I can go watch, let me know. You know, it's the uh, start of the year, so we can go watch a couple games before uh, actually we get down and dirty in the actual uh, classes. But Oh, I'm um, not. I'm not. Paying, this is my last semester. I'm not paying any attention to classes. I will, I will be I will be out covering anything as much as I can. Classes are my last priority this semester. <laughs> so if you have any game in Houston, let me know. I'll be there. I'm not going to be studying. There you go. But uh, award show, a little bit of talk. Um, hopefully you all saw our graphic. Uh, it will be on Twitter and on IG as well. Go look at that. Uh, we're also doing a special teams award. I forgot to put that on the graphic as always. Uh, you forget the special teamers, but we do not, and we're gonna have a special team award graphic uh, award as well. Like always, like always, uh, finalists will be out probably. What do I want to say? Two weeks? I'll say two weeks. Um, and then the award show will be done by probably the first week of February. That's my plan. Um, so uh, thankful for everyone y'all supporting us. Great year. Uh, please, if you want to be nominated for the award show. Uh, please put your stuff down below or DM the podcast on IG or Twitter. 
Absolutely. And also with, with Ryan's brief hiatus, we are going to be trying to rotate in a third chair every now and then. So get, get prepared to see maybe Matthew Lucy, Jack Klosek, any anyone else that we have affiliated with us. I would love to give those guys more airtime. They do so much hard work behind the scenes that y'all don't necessarily see on content. And plus, I love hearing their views on things. And plus, just getting Matthew on here and talking about East Texas Christian Academy is a favorite pastime of mine. So also... This coming summer, we might be doing a little a little documentary on the rise and fall of East Texas Christian Academy. So maybe maybe be tuned for that. But all that being said, as always, I have been one half of your hosting crew, Wes Tollis, and Walker Lot has fantastically been himself. We will see you in the next episode. See you later. Three, two, one.